Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now venture into the world of tokenization. We will discuss this exciting topic with Abir Al Sad, Director, Capital Market Supervision, Capital Market Directorate, Central Bank of Bahrain, Kara Kennedy, Executive Director, Global Custody Product Management, JP Morgan, Peter Liu, General Counsel, Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, or VARA, and our moderator, Uzra Hussein, Head of Innovation and MENA Digital Lead, HSBC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our discussion on tokenization. Is it the new asset manufacturing factory? In 2022, investors are still eager to be educated and participate in safer digital markets, and traditional financial players are moving in to capitalize on this technology to further explore tokenization. Abir, let's start with you. A clear and comprehensive regulatory framework is necessary to create a stable industry and reduce uncertainty for market players so that they're willing to invest, innovate, and explore new markets. Bahrain has been an early adopter of regulations on digital asset. Can you tell us more about what CBB is doing to enable Bahrain as a fast emerging digital asset hub? Initially, we started with payment tokens and then extended it to uh, other um, different types of crypto assets, including uh, asset tokens, utility tokens, hybrid tokens, and NFTs. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we recently issued regulations for the issuance of digital tokens. We have planned to establish regulatory framework for the decentralized finance, the DeFi, mm -hmm. uh, as well as staking and uh, other innovations innovative products in the DLT ecosystem. Another aspect that we are working on is the uh, participation of institutional investors in the, in the crypto market. We believe that uh, if the institutional investors participated, this will add value to the overall market and it may help also in increasing liquidity and reducing the volatility in the market. And our regulations impose uh, adequate level of uh, obligations on the crypto asset licensees to ensure that investors are appropriately protected as well as licensees adhere to the AML CFT requirements which are in line with FATF's recommendation. That brings me to you, uh, Peter. So the UAE is vying with other crypto-friendly uh, countries um, you know, to attract large investments and become a global crypto hub. Um, and for instance, Vara has recently released the, the regulations related to virtual assets and, uh, and related services. So tell me, Peter, how is this new regulation um, going to help in the promotion of the Emirate of Dubai as a regional and a global hub uh, for virtual assets? Sure. Um, thanks, Usra. We, we spent a long time thinking about the issues that the crypto industry has brought about, uh, particularly in the last 12 months. Um, and we've designed something that focuses on a couple of themes, market stability, attending to financial crime, having transactions that are traceable, no obfuscation of ownership, uh, all the things that, that lead to a healthy ecosystem where 
businesses can grow in a stable environment. So, you know, FATF uh, recommendations fully adopted into our rules. We also focus on market conduct, uh, consumer protection, understanding how you know, crypto touches broad retail and how it touches institutional customers in, in a different way. The rules are written with a principle-based approach so that we become as much as possible future-proof and not um, technology-focused. And we hope, actually, that that sends the right message out for Dubai, that Dubai is business-friendly, but this is not going to be light-touch regulation. But coming back to the... Uh, Topic at hand, tokenization. We have one rule book which focuses on issuance, um, slightly differentiating our approach to Bahrain. We've not gone for a specific tokenization rule book. It is an issuance rule book. Uh, it's quite broad in terms of the requirements every issuer uh, needs to adhere to. It focuses a lot on AML risk. It focuses also on the um, Investor disclosures, a white paper needs to include. What we're hoping is that it is nimble enough, it's drafted really broadly, so that the uh, breadth and, and wide scope of this rule book is enough to capture all forms of tokenization. Thank you, thank you, Peter. So it's great to know that the regulators are hard at work, right? But let's, let's zoom into the basics a little bit. Um, so, Kara, what how would you define tokenization and what are the best use cases for it um, in your experience? From a tokenization perspective, I think it's generally understood that this is a representation of value on blockchain or distributed ledger technology. And in many cases, it refers to um, a, a token which represents an underlying asset. There are also um, the opportunities to issue uh, digital securities or other types of digital assets natively um, on blockchain or distributed ledgers, which effectively means that there is no underlying asset. Those, um, those digital tokens are effectively the, uh, a new form um, of asset that is being held and can only be accessed via uh, those ledger systems. Each will have their own characteristics in terms of um, the, the terms and conditions and what that token entitles the holder to. Most of our clients, uh, you know, we are typically servicing them in respect of securities or associated cash transactions. And so for us, our focus has been around uh, tokenized assets in those, in, in those areas. Um, we operate a number of different networks which serve as the baseline infrastructure for us to then develop applications to solve particular client uh, use cases or pain points in the market. We also last year um, announced our first trade across our tokenized collateral network, and that was using a tokenized money market fund that was then um, effected uh, as a, a transfer, a title transfer between two counterparties um, in use of a, a collateral transaction. Um, so that's certainly you know, some of the, the, the key areas that we see um, developments and, and interest from our clients in this space. Thank you, thank you, Cara, for sharing that. I mean, tokenization is so much more than just the creation and issuance of the token. It's, it's when you're able to embed the life cycle of an asset within the token, that's when the beauty of this technology kind of comes out. And that brings me to you, Abir. What would you say are some of the opportunities and challenges of uh, tokenization? 
Tokenization can uh, bring a paradigm shift in how the capital raising activity has been conventionally undertaken by issuers of securities. And we believe that uh, tokenization has the potential to transform the financial markets. It is actually a transformative technology that which can unlock uh, a new uh, economic value. It can uh, enhance financial inclusion and enable more seamless and uh, efficient financial services. And I think the biggest advantage of uh, tokenization is uh, disintermediation, mm -hmm. thereby lower the uh, cost of capital raising for the issuers. Uh, and I believe if uh, tokenization implemented with uh, uh, adequate safeguards, um, it shall make the whole process uh, uh, cheaper, faster, and safer. And uh, I believe also that the primary beneficiary of uh, tokenization are the small enterprises or the startup mm -hmm. companies. Because they, with tokenization, they will be able to have an alternative source of finance mm -hmm. uh, with a global pool of investors. Thank you, thank you. So, so Cara, given that promise of transformation, and of course, the risks that it poses. What does your future roadmap look like as an asset service provider? How does it impact that? Well, I think we're already seeing a demand from clients to understand how we can support them in navigating this space as it emerges. Um, from, a, from a global custody perspective, um, you know, the first thing to say is that when we look at our ability to um, engage on our clients' behalf to provide custody for digital assets, our starting point is that, you know, we um, will only accept the highest levels of asset safety um, that we would expect in traditional securities. So whilst we recognise that there may be a need to um, utilise new technology, new operating models um, in, a, in, in order to enable access to these assets. We, um, we will not compromise in terms of asset safety and we fully expect to be able to support our clients in terms of the end-to-end -end servicing of those assets um, in the same way that we do for traditional securities today. Um, so from a roadmap perspective, uh, we obviously, as you would expect, um, are engaged with our, our, the assets um, on, that exist on our Onyx uh, blockchain, our, uh, our internal technology to be able to um, provide custody services to clients that seek to, um, uh, to access those. But we also um, engage strategically with other uh, platforms that are emerging, particularly those that are um, operated by regulated entities, to look at how we can also provide access to assets that reside on those um, those networks. So I'm going to turn to our regulators here, right? I mean, so as a regulator, how do you strike that fine balance between you know inviting innovation to generate wealth versus um, the risks that you know these emerging technologies may pose? Um, and I'll start with you, Abir, first. For the CVB, um, the primary objective has always been to be uh, uh, to establish an, an orderly, fair, and transparent market in the crypto assets. So, to this end, we have laid uh, in our regulation a uh, lot of emphasis on investor protection, including specific rules uh, on handling of client assets and client money as well as custody rules and disclosure requirements. 
further, we have specific rules for market conduct, including extensive requirements to address conflict of interest issues. Uh, in addition to the rule book requirements, we actively supervise the, um, the crypto asset licensees through periodic reporting, uh, including uh, rigorous uh, prudential reporting requirements. And our endeavor is to provide to the investors adequate safeguards and without inhibiting uh, the adoption of innovation or, or, or technology. Exactly what we wanted to hear. <laughs> uh, Peter. Being open dialogue is extremely important. You know, continuous engagement with the community, with the industry, with service providers. Ultimately, we go back to those themes of attending to financial crime risks, attending to investor protection. So as, as long as you recognize those touch points as your guiding principles, uh, that, that allows you to build a framework that is uh, suitable uh, and encouraging enough for the startups. Yep. Um, so, so we are working very hard at creating that framework post the rule books, um, and then also getting an ecosystem that can bring support to, to these uh, innovative ideas. I think that's, that's the way we're, we're going to you know, approach the next uh, phase of development. Great, great. So let's look into the future a little bit, right? I mean, Sukara, where do you see things headed in the future uh, for tokenization, especially in sort of the post-trade uh, space? So I think um, one of the, the, the challenges that we have here is that we're still at a very early stage of um, maturity in terms of the use of the technology for uh, you know, regulated um, asset types. Um, we have seen, as you mentioned, a number of platforms um, emerge over the past year, including HSBC's Orion. There is a need um, to ensure that we are working towards greater interoperability um, to enable the scale and liquidity that will be necessary to make these um, you know, new ecosystems successful. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.